0: Hey, just real quick, if you're in an Australia and still have old analog clocks, it's time to upgrade so that your swimmers can see the clock. The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is now available in Oz. They're distributed by Tim Lane in Brisbane, and I've got a special deal for you. Just email him at Tim at swimnerd.com. tell him Brett Hawke sent you, and get yours today for just $7.99 Aussie dollars. So, email Tim at swimner. and order your swimner pace clocks today. All right, Susie O'Neill, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
1: Good. Yeah, good to see you again after about twenty years almost.
0: It's been a while, isn't it? You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Sydney. Both on uh, Sydney together. That was a, that was my last team. Did you keep going after that?
0: I did, yeah. I went another six years. That was kind of the beginning for me, and that was the end for you. So we... we
1: oh, all right.
0: That was okay. it. We crossed. That was it. But um, we, we swam together in 95 at the World Shore Course in Rio. I remember that.
1: Oh, you were there. Okay. Jeez, you must have been down there.
0: Super memorable, obviously, for you, that I was yeah. part of the team.
1: Yeah, that was... um, <laughs> 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 My my swimming career is like a blur in... <laughs> If I was, was going to ask
0: you, uh, like, who, who's your favourite teammate of all time? And uh, that, that, oh, yeah. that, that wouldn't have gone very far, would it?
1: <laughs> no, my favourite teammate of all time is Daniel Kowalski.
0: It was a setup question, Susie. You were supposed to say me, for God's oh, you? Yeah.
1: No, you weren't <laughs> my favourite, though. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I'm going for a sport with Dan tomorrow.
0: Dan's a legend. I love Dan. I had him on my podcast. Actually, his podcast comes out tomorrow. I did one last oh. week. and um, yeah.
1: Okay, I love Dan, too
0: yeah he's he's
1: cool. he would have been you would have been my second favorite if i had remembered you on my <laughs>
0: <laughs> clearly yeah. oh this has started really well thanks appreciate it um so what are you up to these days what are you doing
1: well, I've got two kids. I've got a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old. Oh, 16-year-old wow. girl and a 14-year-old boy, so that takes a lot of time. Mm. Uh, I, work on a, I work on a radio show, breakfast radio show, which would probably surprise a lot of people that knew me back in the day mm. with um, three other guys on, on commercial FM. That's good. And then do a bit of bits and bobs, help out my husband with his bookkeeping and just the usual stuff that goes with running a household. Yeah.
0: Why did you decide to get into the, the radio? What, what was that all about?
1: That happened by accident. So the radio show, um, which was Ash Kip and Lutze, I knew two of the guys. They used to be sports reporters when I was a swimmer. Mm. Um, and so I kind of knew them. And they were looking for a girl. And so they kind of set it up, to be honest. They got me to come in and fill, fill in for the sports reporter, which was... Seven years ago now. Oh, wow. And then I just kind of hung around for one, like one segment a week, then one day a week, and then two days, three days. And then the last two years, I've gone full time, five mornings a week. So, yeah, it's been, it's been good, actually. Really, um, it's good to have a regular job. I find as an ex athlete, it's good to know where you're going each day for me, Otherwise, I kind of get a bit panicky.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what t- I- what time does the shift start?
1: Uh, the, we're on air six to nine. Oh, wow. So they're a pretty loose show. So we generally get in at about I mean, about quarter to six. Oh, which wow. is good. So it's bad. But I go, um, we exercise before it. So I went swimming training before the show this morning. Which is good. That's four thirty
0: to five thirty. Oh God, you're you're still nuts then. <laughs> oh my god, what are you doing that for?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I just I just love swimming and it makes me feel good. And I just have to I kinda just have to do it.
0: Don't you have an issue though that like you used to be able to swim so much faster. Like that's my issue when I get in the pool now, I'm like, Oh, this feels terrible. Cause I used to be so much better at it.
1: Yeah, no, I kind of got past that about 10 or fifteen years ago. Um, I'm, uh, Oh yeah. Nothing like I used to like doing three K my arms are nearly falling off. But, um, yeah, I just, love the, I just love, I just, I look at it differently. I just love breathing, you know, this regular breathing that you have to do. I think in life I'm, I don't do proper big full breaths, you know what I mean? And yeah. so by the end of the day, I'm kind of a bit frazzled. But mm. when I go swimming, to me, it's like meditation. It's really deep breaths. So
0: yeah. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I um, want to talk about your career a little bit and um, and those sorts of things. But I did notice they made you cry on the on the show a couple of weeks ago. What was that all about?
1: Yeah, yeah when was that? Jeez, that was a bit too much public sharing, wasn't it? But um. The story around it is we were talking about the Sydney Olympics, and um, I was saying, Well, I've never watched my tournament butterfly. Oh, yeah. Uh, Obviously, I came second. And they're like, Oh, well, let's watch, let's get you to watch it and we'll film it. And I'm like, Yeah, okay, whatever. I'm sure nothing will happen. And then it was weird. It was like I had this out of body experience. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm glad I did it. I probably maybe wish I didn't, didn't do it so publicly now, but, um, it <laughs> was good.
0: I liked it. I watched it today. I thought it was awesome.
1: It made me feel, um, I feel good about it now. I think I feel like, wow. I, I mean, I feel really good about Sydney now. Whereas obviously I didn't, I wasn't, I never thought about that race to be honest for the whole 19 years. It was more like, I don't know. And then, I don't know, but then when it obviously I had it had things with it cause it came up when I watched it. Mm. Yeah. But I can I had, celebrate that I won. i sort of kind of forgot that I won
0: it in Sydney as well. <laughs> yeah, you did. I know. We'll get into that. We'll get into Sydney um, soon. You know, I want to kind of start from the beginning a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, Sydney was a weird experience for you. I had a weird experience in Sydney too. I ended up, I ended up making the semi final in the fifty three free, and I, I didn't tell anybody this at the time. But I was, I, I couldn't go and watch the final because I didn't qualify for the final. So, And you know what it was like on the Australian team. You had to go and support everybody. And I felt guilty about this for a long time, but um, I couldn't go back to the swimming the next night. So I went to the track and field and I actually, I actually went and watched track and field and sat there by myself and just watched track and field, just miserable because I was like, I can't watch this 50 freestyle. And I've actually never watched the, the full length of the 50 free stuff. I've seen the finish, you know, where they celebrate and stuff. But I've never yeah. watched that race either. Um, just Have something that... Your- yeah it kills you doesn't it
1: yeah have you watched your semi your last
0: yeah yeah i watched my semi and i just see all these mistakes and i just see all these it's like oh god Brett, really you did that oh wow you did that and then and then you remember the emotions before the race like i remember the call room the ready room and then i remember walking out and then i remember the feeling behind the block for me behind the block in sydney I couldn't breathe I don't know what the, your, your experience was like um, it, it must have been I didn't really need to breathe in the 50 anyway but I couldn't breathe be, behind the block so I needed my air then so I'm like yeah. Brett you've got to breathe now because you're, you're about to not breathe in this race so it was mm. it was like um, super overwhelming the crowd when you walked out wasn't it
1: it was really intense um, I mean I think I was down on myself for a lot of years because I felt like I could have could have handled it better mm. but I look back now 20 years later and Go wow! Look at the crowd and the intensity. You did really well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was like, well, I well, don't know about you. Yeah, I was giving it to myself because I felt like I wasn't handling the situation. But it was, it was, in, it was full on for this the whole swimming team. Really, um, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Like the buzz, the highs and lows you got for it are irreplaceable in real life, aren't they? But um, yeah. yeah, full on.
0: Mm. Yeah, it was, it was intense. Um, we'll come back to it. But listen, um, how did you get into swimming in the first place?
1: Mm, it's weird. I can barely remember it. Um, I like most people in Queensland. All our holidays were at the coast, either the Sunshine Coast or Gold Coast. Um, I did pretty well at school swimming. And then I had a teacher there, Mrs. Brett, who encouraged me to, you know, go to the zones. And Mrs. Reach Brett,
0: them. was she your favorite teacher?
1: <laughs> well, I never had her as a teacher, which is weird. <laughs> But um, I know she was really into swimming. She still is. I still speak to her. um, That's cool. She was like going to the zones and the regionals and blah, 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 all that. And I went down to the local pool, which was only three kilometres from my house. And Mr Wakefield uh, was the coach there who ended up uh, being my coach. So I started, that was at nine. So then he was my coach till I was 21. So I think I was really lucky that I lucked on him as as a coach, as you know, coaches, coaches, well you you you've been a coach or you are a coach. A coach can make a massive difference. And for me, both of my coaches that I had were perfect mm. um, for me and it just made it fun. I really, really enjoyed it. I'm still friends with girls that I met back then and yeah, I've got really good memories from, you know, being in a swimming club and yeah um doing fun stuff together. So that's how I got into it, yeah.
0: Why why do you call him Mr. Wakefield?
1: Um, we just that's what we always had to call him. Yeah, that was um, yeah, no, he was always Mr Wakefield. He was, well, back then all the coaches in Queensland, you're, you're a bit younger than me, but it was Mr Wakefield, Mr Carew, Mr King. Mm. Um, I don't know. It was just the, the era we were in. Yeah. And, and now people call him Bernie. When people are talking to me, like, I swam with Bernie as well. And I think, well, did you really? Because if you swam with Mr Wakefield, you would not be calling him Bernie. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it seems really disrespectful. I'm <laughs> um, to me but he was good he made it fun the most kilometers I did up until probably the age of um, oh, 20 oh, probably the age of 18 or when I was at school the most kilometers a week we did was 35 like that's, I really hardly it. That's did that's the most course. I ever did <laughs> yeah <but> you're <laughs> a sprinter <laughs> but yeah well that's good you probably agree with that um <laughs> that I'm uh, my, my, sorry my battery's going flat I wonder if I should plug it in
0: yeah, plug it in. Otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna okay. lose. Give
1: me two seconds.
0: This is the second time this has happened to me, by the way. Yeah, we'll wait. My audience will wait. It's all good.
1: Where did you start off? Were you were you Carlo? <clears throat>
0: no, I started. I started Marubra. Always just Marubra.
1: Marubra. I oh, was Lee Habler
0: and. Yep, Lee Habler, um, Malcolm Allen.
1: Oh yeah, was Terry Buck your coach? Terry or? Buck
0: was my coach from the age of uh, eleven. Yeah, oh,
1: wow.
0: he was the man, and uh, all the way up until eighteen, I believe, and that's when Brian Sutton came in.
1: Oh, Okay.
0: <laughs> and Brian, Brian was at Academy, and the, and then Academy, um, you know, stopped <laughs> being in, in existence, and they came out. All the all the academy swimmers came over to Maroubra, and that's where Lee Habler and and um, Malcolm Allen, those types of swimmers, they were at Academy originally. Maroubra was just a really small club. And then when they came over, we became this giant kind of super team in Sydney. And and we had, we had tons of great athletes in our group at that stage. So I, I was surrounded by these, these, you know, Olympians or future Olympians. And I was just, I was just one of the people that would just come to practice. You know, I was like, man, these guys are really good. I'm terrible. And so, um, that was kind of my experience for a long period of time. <laughs> just- yeah. Yeah. But, um, so when did, when did it – I don't know if swimming ever stops being fun, but when did it become really serious for you? Because you all of a sudden become really good at it. I was actually talking to Nicole um, Livingston, and she was telling me that you, you didn't get selected in the 88 team. You, uh, you, did you finish second at the trials and you weren't selected?
1: Yeah, I came second. I um, did a 102. Um, I didn't get selected, but I'm actually glad I didn't. I was 14. I was only just talking about this this morning. Oh, really? <laughs> I was, um, I was a very young 14 mm. and I was terrified. I was like, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. Um, and the team was a bit, um, I don't know if you remember before, you don't remember, probably, probably don't remember, but before Don Talbot came in, they were a bit more wild. You know, they'd mm. go out more and a bit. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I would have fitted in very well in that group and I would have been terrified. So I'm kind of glad that I didn't make it. For that team but um,
0: yeah especially at fourteen geez that's super young
1: mm-hmm. yeah but I made the year after but when did it become not fun? Mm, I mean you have your ups and downs don't you but um probably the last probably the last year leading into Sydney it became oh, really? a probably so it became a bit of a it became a bit of a chore then.
0: That's when, that's when you became the superstar, I guess. But, like, you, you obviously had been on the Australian team for about 10 years before that. So I'm looking at um, some of your results here and some of your medals. I mean, you had a pretty incredible run. Were you always 200 fly, 200 free from the get-go? Uh,
1: originally, I was a backstroker. And then in 88, at 14, that's when I um, switched to butterfly. As you know, you just train all the different strokes, don't you? And then when you compete, it kind of just comes out what your, your best, best event is. Um, I didn't do my first 200 butterfly until before the 92 Olympic trials. I think I was 17 or 18. I don't know. How old is that? I was born in 73, whatever. Oh, 18 or 19, yeah. Because Mr. Yeah. Wakefield, I always wanted to be a sprinter, mm. like everyone. Of
0: course, Of course <laughs> and- you did.
1: If you don't make it as a sprinter, you generally just keep moving out, don't you? Until you <laughs> find <laughs> if you get to open water, then you're really unlucky. But um, I remember Mr. Wayfield sat me down and said that you've got a really good opportunity in the 200 fly. Um, there's the competition. There's there's an opening to make the Australian team for Barcelona, and then even internationally there's an opening. So I did my first 200 butterfly then, and. Um, and say hello. I wouldn't have cho- chosen that event. I would have preferred to say 100 butterfly, but I was obviously better at 200 butterfly, so then I took off in that. And 200 free, I didn't really do seriously till 2000 because our women's 4x200 team looked pretty good, and we were all banding together and thought that we had a good chance. So I really concentrated on that. I, I competed in that event for a lot of years, but I mean mentally, I really concentrated on that event in 2000 as well.
0: Nicole was telling me that you actually, um, as a younger kid, you had anxiety when you raced and you'd actually get out of the pool in some of your races. Is that correct?
1: (laughs) Oh, it is. Yeah. I'm so sick of talking about it. I didn't bring that up, but um, yeah. So originally in my, when I was really young, I actually had to do backstroke because if I did freestyle, I would stop. I would dive in and then, you know, do you ever feel claustrophobic in water?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So I think what was happening is I was breathing in and not breathing out. Anyway, so I'd have a panic attack and I'd hop out and get dragged out. But backstroke, my head was out of the water. I could breathe and so I could go all right at that. But, that um, that's cool. Gotta-
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. fun. So yeah, what? So when, uh, I mean, you said 21, you made the shift. So you made the Olympic team in the 200 fly and then you end up going to 92 and winning the bronze medal, right?
1: Yeah. that time, I thought I was going to win. I think I was winning for three laps of that. Uh, that race but what, I
0: don't know. what do you mean you thought you were going to win Like before the race or during the race you thought you were going
1: to win um, Both I think before it I thought I might And then during the race During the race I felt really good I felt really good I remember I turned and With one lap to go and I was leading And uh, I was like oh wow I'm going to win uh, Then as you know The piano lands on you. You know, that feeling you get that pops in the last 25 meters and i just really tightened up and summer sanders and a chinese swimmer went past me and i got bronze but uh, yeah i was really happy with that obviously at the time it was, um, but i think I'll, in retrospect i probably went out a bit hard but um so you yeah. were
0: looking around like you could tell where you were in the race
1: yeah usually you can't i don't or well, i didn't later on in my career but specifically in that race that's how I remember it as I knew I was leading with one lap to go. Yeah. Wow. But later on in my career, I tried not to do that (laughs) look around.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what was that experience like? What did it do for you win the bronze medal? Was that, was that a happy experience? And did that catapult you into the next four years? Like what, what happened after that?
1: Uh, Yeah, I was really, really excited with that result. I thought it was awesome. That was the best, you know, I loved that Olympics. It was my first Olympics. It was in a European city. Um, just had a really good time. And then, yeah, it really motivated me for the next four years. Um, yeah, 92, came back. I mean, I changed coaches, though, in 94. Um, Why did you but, do that? Uh, I feel like I was getting pretty stale. I went to the Commonwealth Games in 94 and thought I had a terrible meet. Um, I think, in regist- I think I got, I don't know, results. Was it three silver and two gold? Or anyway, I don't think it was that bad in the end. But in my head, I wanted to go better. And then I went to the World Championships straight after that in Rome and got bronze in the 100 fly the 100, and the 200 butterfly. Too. That was the World Championships when the Chinese team really dominated. Uh, I think they won every gold medal except for two, which was Sam Riley in one of the breaststrokes and Francisca Van Elmsick, I think, in one of the 200 free or something. So they were clearly dominating for some particular reason in every single event and only the women.
0: Did you know uh, they were on drugs at the time?
1: Uh, yeah, I suspected it, but you know, we really you know, you really were not allowed to talk about it and say it and therefore we tried not to think about it really. But thankfully they kind of disappeared the year after. But um anyway, so after those two meets, I decided to change coaches and I don't know exactly why, I just felt like I needed a change and I feel like I could have handled that better. And <laughs> telling Mr Wakefield, I think I bro- completely broke his heart. Um, <laughs> How would you do it? I remember going over to his house with my mum and, and he was there with his wife, um, Mrs Wakefield, and just telling him, yeah. And I remember, he, I think he said to me, you'll never... Um, improve, you know, be as good as you are now. How's was his parting words to me. I think he was pretty cut. And, um, yeah, our relationship was a bit, mm, uh, that's a word, fractured.
0: Yeah, fractured, yeah.
1: (laughs) And then I feel like I...
0: Playing piano back there?
1: Okay. All right, we're back.
0: It's all good. I pressed pause, so it's all good.
1: <clears> okay.
0: <throat> so you've fractured your relationship with uh, your yeah. coach?
1: I feel like I'm, he got really sick actually in the lead up to the Sydney Olympics. Um, he ended up getting um, cancer. And so I feel like I kind of mended um, the relationship a little bit. We went, I went to a function for him and stuff in um, the year 2000. He died three weeks before the Sydney Olympics.
0: Oh, I didn't know cool. that. Wow.
1: Just, kind of, just before one of those World Cups in. Um, Melbourne, remember the World Cup we had before? Yeah, mm,
0: that's right. Yeah. Oh, but the
1: wow. uh, thing I, I wish when I broke the world record, I, I watched that the other day and I did an interview afterwards and I just wish I had to thank him for all his coaching, you know. He was the reason that I was still swimming at 27. He made it so fun and he put all the, you know, groundwork in, you know, the, all the work you do leading up, all the work till I was 21. I don't know. Swish, oh, hopefully he's heard me, Mr. Wakefield. <laughs> yeah, he was an amazing coach. I felt like it was the best move for me when I changed coaches to Scott Balkers, but um, I still really appreciate everything that he did for me.
0: Yeah, I remember 95 when we went to Rio, the, the World Short Course together, you guys had like this super squad. I mean, t- talk to me about who was in the squad and, and um, you know, what, what that was like to train in that squad.
1: Yeah, so Sam Riley was the main person that Scott coached um, before I moved to him. I think we went to Rio. Ellie Overton had moved up. Ellie. Boston. Ellie had moved there. Um, Angie Kennedy, I think, had moved at that stage. And um, Lisa Mackey um, and Jade Winter as well, I think. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, yeah, it was... Um, It was a really good atmosphere, really good squad. Um, Sam Riley's probably the hardest trainer I've ever seen. And so I used to be inspired kind of by the sets that she used to do and I think we'd kind of compete with each other to see who would do the best um, best sets. So it was a really good squad and Scott made it – he was a good coach. He made it really fun on pool deck. He always had so much energy on pool deck, um, which I think, you know, when you're swimming – for so many years and just doing the same thing over and over again, it's kind of makes a difference. If you've got a coach who's really up and, and and fun on pool deck.
0: Yeah. To me from the outside looking in, it, looked like you guys were a tight knit that, you know, you had individual plans, but you also worked really well together as a group. It seemed like you moved as a group, you stretched, you warmed up, you stretched as a group, you you did your things. And then it's just seemed really organized and tight knit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a really good time. Um, it was a really good time back then. Yeah, it was good fun. We socialized a lot together outside the pool. Yeah, it was good. Yeah.
0: Do you remember any of the workouts that you did? And I know that people that listen to this love sets and love listening to different workouts from different people. Do you have any crazy 200 butterfly workouts?
1: The main one I remember, which I hated, um, we did every Monday morning. We did the, the same sets every week pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Monday morning was always anaerobic threshold. Um, which I don't know, I find that a really hard energy system to work. You know, you're kind of not really pushing yourself and you're not going easy, just that awkward,
0: yeah.
1: bad place. Um, and we always did um, seven 300s butterfly um, with flippers. I um, don't know what rest we were on, must have been probably about a minute's rest after each 300. Um, but we finished, we always finished with a 200 butterfly effort without fins. So that was... How did you I do was, the
0: fins? How did you do the turns?
1: The turns? Just yeah. normal. Oh, well, they were short fins. Oh, short, you
0: know, fins. You know, okay. short fins. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm.
1: So okay. just normal. But um, I always hated that. When, when heart rate sets were first invented, probably the worst butterfly sets I did then was like 3100s on two minutes, those type of things. As I got a bit older, the heart rate sets got a bit shorter, didn't they? Like 24100s. Of eight, But I never did a lot of, I never did like 1500 butterfly straight or 10, butterfly without flippers, you know, without flippers. Yeah. It was always about uh, quality. If my stroke broke down, then I didn't do it. So as a consequence, I think I never really got, I didn't get any shoulder problems um, when I swam, which was good.
0: Were you, were you a good trainer? Like, was it something where you were like, where everyone around you was like, oh shit, Susie's killing us today or anything like that?
1: Uh, yeah, I reckon I was pretty hard trainer. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I was. Yeah, I felt like I didn't. I was into consistency. I felt like I didn't have many bad sessions, which I think makes a big difference over you know a twelve-year career. I um, Always tried to push myself. I had a, I had a talk once by Tracy Corkins, um, quite early on in my career, the famous American swimmer. Mm. Um, And she said each session try and do something better than you've done the day before, even if it's just drying yourself down, you know, better than you dried yourself down the day before. But I always tried to every, yeah, every session. I wanted to walk out of the pool just knowing I'd given it 110%, you know.
0: Like just feeling successful in some way?
1: Yeah, just feeling like I'd definitely given everything. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't blood. You can kind of know when you... (laughs) you know you can bludge if you really want to can't you you can cheat cheat yourself <laughs> um but i felt like i always pushed myself really hard
0: why is the 200 fly a, a, a tough event like why do people not want to train for it why do people not love racing it like why is what makes the 200 fly so tough
1: i think in the actual race to me it's no harder than the 200 free like it feels the same but the training's hard because I found it hard because you can't really go easy. You know, if you feel like in freestyle, if you're feeling a bit tired, you can, you can rest while you're swimming, mm. but a butterfly, you can't, I, I found like you never really rest. You can't do it easy. Mm. You always have to So much effort into doing the, the stroke. So that's why I found it hard and also breathing every stroke in training really sucked. You know, you just feel like you never get enough oxygen oxygen when you swim butterfly.
0: So did you have, um, a kick count? Did you have a stroke count? Did you guys do that type of stuff?
1: Yeah, we did. It's hard to remember it all now. It was really, um, stroke counts came in the end of my career. Hmm. I can't remember. Like, you know, that where they give you a number? I can't even yeah, remember yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. Like, 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 hey, let's try and hit 25 here. strokes here.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> um, or stroke rate. But strokes, yeah. we always, always, we're always. working on, um, especially the and butterfly, the 450s are all at a certain pace and certain number of strokes. All I know, I can't remember it exactly, but I just know the fourth lap I always had to try and do a 32 holding 24 strokes oh. for for the last lap. So I think to break the, looking at the world record, it was like 28, 32, 32, 32 is what I was always aiming at. We're always aiming at the last 350s being as consistent as possible. Mm. Um, so I worked heaps on um, race pace stuff, like heaps. I can't remember the actual sets. One I can remember is maybe... Thirty-two fifties, which is, um, what's that, A200s, like on 60, 60, 60, 90, just doing race pace stuff. Oh, but, wow.
0: um, cool.
1: Yeah.
0: So then 96, yeah. you you come back and you, were you the favourite for that 200 fly? Uh,
1: I presume so. Although um, Michelle Smith popped up out of nowhere at the Olympics, the Irish swimmer oh yeah. so got busted leading, for drugs too? Yeah, so probably leading into <coughs> Atlanta, I presume I would have been ranked number one in the world. I'm not sure, but um Michelle Smith popped up, and we're like, oh, what's she going to do?" And she'd won a couple of events before the Turner Fly, so she was always a bit of a dark horse. Um, and the other dark horse that popped out in that event was patria Thomas. I think that was the first Turner Butterfly she'd done seriously at a big meet. I think. Um, I think she missed the hundred. She don't quote me on this, but in my memory, she missed the hundred fly for the team. So she had to do the 200 butterfly. Oh, okay. So, uh, anyway, that was when she was, I'd first really seen her in that, that race too, I think.
0: Did you worry about your competition or were you just, you know, really focused on yourself?
1: Yeah. And I was always really focused on myself and what I had to do. Like I barely knew, um, yeah, who I was racing or what their times were and that type of thing. So yeah. in um, well, it's a bit later, but 98. But when I started to worry a bit about my competitors, um, Scott Volkers, before the Commonwealth Games, 200 Butterfly, told me just to pretend there's two curtains on either side of the lane, rope, And so to pull the curtains before I started my race. So to just really concentrate on myself and what I had to do uh, in the event. But um, you don't always do that, but that's, that was the plan to always <laughs> just concentrate on myself.
0: Did you? How did you handle the pressure after after um, Atlanta being being Olympic champion? Like obviously now the spotlight is kind of on you leading into Sydney in a big way. I mean I remember the turnaround, you know, when we got awarded the Olympics and then all of a sudden, you know, the run into to Sydney was all about who who who's going to win gold for us. And then all of a sudden the spotlight comes on the, those types of people like you and Thorpey and you know grant hackett and michael Klim. and was that tough for you all of a sudden being in the spotlight
1: um yeah probably a bit it was probably exciting to start with to be honest uh, so after atlanta you know the next couple of years i swam really really well and it, it was kind of exciting you know i was earning a bit of money at, you know from endorsements and first yeah a bit of fame where people kind of knew your name recognized you when you walked down the street um so there was a good path as it got closer to Sydney, I probably started to find it a bit more claustrophobic, and um, most people knew who I were who I was when I walked out the street, so when I went shopping, you know people would say, "I can't wait to see you win you gold medal, and I've got tickets for your gold medal race and um, it was kind of overwhelming, I and mean, it was great that I look back at it now and think how supported were we from the public, you know mm. as sports people I don't think that I don't know if that would happen now in this era it seems to be a lot more people um trying to knock sports people off or bagging them or i don't know it just feels like back then everyone was really don't you think really supportive
0: yeah and the true. lead up to sydney it just seemed like everybody was really into it like everyone was like yeah. we we want you to be successful you know Though it was definitely that feeling of like pride countrywide pride and anyone that was uh, a chance or anyone that ended up being on that team it was like oh you're 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 representing us, all of us. And that was a positive yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you kind of didn't want to let anyone down. So as it gets closer, yeah, you get yeah, it's, I mean, that's just natural, I think, to worry about how you're gonna go and and that type of thing. But um if I look back, I felt like I couldn't have planned it any better for a career to win you know, to win the Olympics just before the home Olympics, it was might have put more pressure, but it wouldn't have changed anything. Kind of made it more exciting, and I don't know. Got a lot of good stuff out of it. <laughs> Did a lot of exciting. Hard to
0: um, manage the um, the sponsorships and those sorts of things, the endorsements, like in terms of your training and then and then managing that.
1: Not, it wasn't actually too bad to be honest, because uh, my manager was um, Rob Woodhouse, who was yeah. a Olympian and also won bronze '84 in, in the mm. one of the Middle East, two or four in the Middle East. so he kind of knew how much training we had to do so though I didn't I didn't do that much in the lead up to Sydney I kind of repaid it all after the Sydney Olympics were over so um it actually wasn't that bad probably the worst thing leading to Sydney is I was mainly just training it was probably the most that I hadn't had anything else in my life if you know what I mean like in after 96 I got a job at Westpac so I worked there three days a week and um then at 98 doing endorsements and that type of thing. But leading to Sydney, we kind of just shut everything down and just trained, which I don't know if I'd recommend that either, to be honest. Um, it's, always, oh, it's easy to look back, isn't it? And think what you would do differently. Yeah. But uh, I think when you're swimming and training, it's always good if you've got other things going on in your life, just to take a bit of the pressure away from it
0: when did uh the world record come into play here like you you know obviously mary t's record i think lasted 19 years it was was that right there's some yeah. crazy crazy long world record and she's like this f- super famous swimmer from the us you know um when did that kind of come into play for you of like all right i want to i want to get this thing
1: yeah um probably oh, i don't know exactly but certainly not before atlanta mm-hmm before the Atlanta Olympics. So probably after I won that. But I would have won that in about a 207, I think. And the records I used to think the record was out of control, you know, 205.91. It's about the only time I remember. <laughs> um out of any times. I can't remember any of my own times, but I always remember 205.91, 205.91. So probably around about ninety-eight. I know I went a 206 at the Commonwealth Games. So I started to think, oh, you know, it'd be good to get this before I retired. And like I said, we worked out the times I had to do to get to get to that point. So, yeah, as it, about 98, I suppose, I got really serious thinking that I could probably do this.
0: Did it become an obsession or was it just or, or was it just <laughs> like, you know, it's there, if I get it, I get it?
1: Uh, no, I think it became an obsession because... Um, or for example, 2059 was the pin to all my key cards and stuff. Um, oh,
0: okay. So, it was an obsession, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, um, I really, yeah, really wanted to get it. So, yeah, I'd probably say it became an obsession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
0: think so. <laughs> Sound like a crack addict. Um, yeah, okay. So, then in the in the lead up to the Sydney trials, the, the trials is where you end up getting it. What was that? Was that in um, March in 2000 or something when did we have basically
1: um it was actually may was i'm pretty sure, pretty sure i broke the record on uh, may the 17th or 18th
0: oh, okay was that something you'd planned to be that fast at the trials
1: yeah well i knew the trials was probably my last chance to get it to be honest because at the olympics um i feel like it was always hard to do a really good time you know it's a lot harder, meet because you're staying in the village. There's all the transport issues, and you don't sleep very well, and the pressure, and blah blah blah. So I felt like the trials was a more of a no pressure swim. Like I knew I was going to come in the top two. I mean, I probably knew I was going to win, to be honest. The twin of fly, so I could do it more as a time trial. You know what I mean? Not worrying about results. Mm. Um, I really, just trying. Um, sounds wanky. Execute. You know what I've been practicing for all those years. Mm. So, yeah, it worked. That's probably my – people often ask me what my favourite swim was ever and it's hard to go past that because doing it at the trials with all the Sydney crowd and oh, yeah. everyone really – yeah, like I said, everyone was so supportive back then. Just felt like I was it was just being lifted along from everyone. and Yeah, it was really – I'm just so glad that I got it.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Did you, did you, did you break a lot of world records in your career?
1: No, that was the only long course world record I broke. Oh, really? Um, I think I broke a couple of short course 200 Butterfly World Records, but they were pretty soft records at the time because short course really only came in short course really only came in, in my career or well, compared to the long course one. Yeah, uh, true, true. I'll put it this way. I broke the short course ones without even tapering. I broke them at as um, World Cups over in Europe.
0: Mm, sucks to be but, that talented.
1: the long course one Was a proper world record
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was It'd been there for a while Um, Nicole told me that you guys were Practicing some dance that you were going to That you pulled out when you broke the world record What's this dance all about?
1: Yeah, so the trials the year before um, It was After the swimming was over and yeah, we went out Um, It was in Brisbane, the trial So we'd had people over to our apartment And then we'd gone out to a nightclub and um, with a big group of swimmers and friends and stuff, and I remember saying, "If I ever break the world record, this is the dance I'm going to do." And doing the dance on the on the dance floor. So, Are you yeah, do so it we,
0: for me. You're going to show me what it is.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you'll see it from back there, but it was
0: that. Yeah. There we go. Very nice. Yeah, pretty funny. I love it. I love it. So, so you pulled that out after the world record, eh? Hey? Nice. <laughs> so then, um, did you think that was looking back? Do you think that was the right thing to do? Was that a mistake to to get it then? Did that just add like crazy amounts of pressure on
1: you then? Mm, probably did add a bit of pressure, but no, nah, I'm glad I got it because I don't, I wouldn't have got it in Sydney, obviously. Yeah. And um, I just really wanted to get that record before I um, finished my swimming career. So I'm uh, glad I got it. Well, you yeah, never really thought about adding more pressure, but obviously. It, that, that specifically breaking the world record, I, I kind of had it anyway because I'd been unbeaten in that event for six years. So I kind of felt like I hadn't lost that race, you know, I kind of felt like it was – well, I thought I'd win, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably did add to the pressure. Why
0: do you think you didn't win? Do you think you just got out or you didn't swim – you didn't execute the way you should have?
1: I think if I look at my time, which I don't know exactly what I did, but it's actually not that much slower than my best. So I actually don't think I swam that badly. I was just tiny bit, like the time is pretty consistent. Um, I didn't sleep very well for the whole week, which probably didn't help, but I didn't swim. I don't even know my time. I went a 206 something, Mm. I think. My best was a 2058, so I was pretty close. Um, Misty Hyman, the girl that beat me just swam, swam real well, <laughs> a lot better than she ever had before. Like three, th- we'll always quote this. I presume it's true. Three and a half seconds faster than she'd ever swam before. Um, which is kind of one of those races that people just pull out of their butt, you know, when they have to, I don't think she swam that fast or anywhere near that fast again. So she kind of just had a really good swim exactly at the right time.
0: Well, i've also i can give you a little bit of a unique perspective on this because i am was actually mentored by her coach richard quick richard is uh was a dear friend of mine before his his um passing and he was actually my head coach uh of our of our university team um okay. in 2009 when when he uh, got diagnosed with brain cancer and, and died a couple of months later we we won the national championship at auburn in in honor of him and i've had many conversations with him about this actually and then he told me some of the things that misty was doing in practice and and look richard is one of the greatest coaches of all time if not the best i think i think richard is fucking incredible and um and I know for a fact he had a huge impact on, on Misty and her performance. And he told me that she did a set, they would they would consistently do a set of ten fifties. And it went like this. It was one on one thirty. It was all two hundred pace fly. It was ten fifties, one on one thirty, and then it would go one twenty five, one twenty, 120, one fifteen, one ten, one oh five, sixty, fifty-five, fifty, and then the last one was on forty five. And she had to hold pace. So basically, um he said she did this within within the 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 training camp of the olympic Games. so i presume within the last 10 days of her racing she did uh, a set where she held faster than she'd ever held before and richard being the motivator that he is and and making people believe in in themselves the way he could better than anybody in the world he he basically got her to believe that she could win this race and so in in a way um it might have felt like it came out of the blue but from his perspective, it was completely planned and they 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 knew they had a shot i don 't know if they knew they could beat you, but they knew that she was going to be a contender so in In his mind, his point of view is like no we we had planned to beat Susie O 'Neill the whole time, so i don 't know if you want to hear that, but that's that 's a slightly different perspective coming from him
1: yeah, she must have lost all her motivation after that. <laughs>
0: She must have. I don't know what happened. I can say there's a little bit of um, competitiveness in you. I can still sense it. That's good. I like that.
1: I didn't even know he died. He coached um, Tracy Corkins as well, didn't he? Back yeah,
0: Summer some Sanders. Yeah, so
1: okay. a
0: couple, couple of people that beat you in the end.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm what are you doing?
0: I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: I, I, I'm just, I think, listen.
0: Susie, I never um, won anything, so don't worry about it. It doesn't matter.
1: I had, um, no, I had Shane Gould tell me that, misty beat me because um her and um oh what's her husband's name anyway swimming coach you know shane gould's marriage oh to yeah but
0: mm.
1: they taught her her underwater oh
0: Milt was it Milt?
1: yeah yeah yeah. they taught her her underwater kicking so between her underwater and her um race was so <laughs> i never had a chance did i
0: <laughs> you didn't have a chance i could have told you before the race no i'm kidding listen I was in shock I was standing on the pool deck I'm like okay good uh, Susie's up this is an automatic good you know because as as team members we're counting gold medals for ourselves to kind of take the pressure off ourselves a little bit I didn't swim till day seven in the 50 free, so I'm like uh, Susie's got this I don't even have to stand up for this one and cheer you know and then you go and lose That's for nice. me and put all the pressure on us thanks a lot No, I'm kidding. I actually didn't even know you were in the 200 free I didn't even know you were swimming that event and then the next day you pop up and bloody win gold in that how'd you do that
1: yeah that was the day before the turn fly actually but um oh it was yeah it was the other way around it was weird yeah. really really weird because i was uh, way more nervous in my turn of free than my turn of fly but um it was weird i qualified fastest and i was like oh jeez I, I actually did look around at my competitors after the semis i'm like i should win this there's like no one in this race that <sighs> can beat me I was really nervous that day. At lunchtime of the day of the final, I ran Cliff, um, my husband. I was married then and um, I was crying, going, I don't want to go out. I don't want to go out to the pool. Like, please don't make me, you know? <laughs> and he said, um, you know, put it into perspective. It's a swimming race. Go to the pool, put on your togs and dive in. You just do your best. And I think by the time I got to the Sydney Olympics, I don't know if you were the same, but I totally, um, What's the word? Built it up to something that it wasn't. Like at the end of the day, it was a sporting competition. <laughs> I think in my head it was like life or death. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, we we're just swimming. So it was really nice to hear that the day of the two hundred free final and to go out and win. You know, win that race. So I had the I actually had the two hundred fly semi straight after that. So uh-huh. the present. Yeah. So the presentation. I never really enjoyed as much as i could have because you know i did so many events Mm. i was always really worried about my swim down and so i was just when i was getting my medal i'm like come on i need to get back in the pool do my swim down i got the fly semi coming up so it's kind of all that always that feeling in my head
0: yeah no yeah that would be tough not to be able to celebrate that moment because that that's an incredible achievement just to, to take gold in that but um you know, everybody I I'm sure some people might have a perspective of like, Oh, poor Susie, you know, she lost the the race, but I'm like, I don't care. She won like eight eight medals. I no. went to I went to track and field the next night. I didn't even make the final so
1: No, I got that feedback, don't worry.
0: Oh good, good. So did you know two thousand was it before you went in?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I was um I was really over it. I think physically I could have kept going um i was only i mean i felt like i was really old but i think i was 27 but mentally i was done you know as swimmers we start pretty young and i started when i was nine so and it's pretty all-consuming as you know and it takes up your whole life and to be really good you you really have to put a lot of energy into every training session which affects the rest of your life i found so um yeah i was ready i was i was ready i was done
0: yeah did you even know i was on the team with you in 2000
1: i think so i was pretty, no, I was pretty self-absorbed let's say yeah time. but name all the people on the team
0: uh, no not a chance
1: i reckon i'd have, have a lot of trouble
0: actually we started a uh, whatsapp group just uh recently like in the lead up to the 20 year celebration of the olympics we started a whatsapp group with the men the men's team we, yeah. we, didn't, we didn't invite uh, the women but the men's <laughs> the men's team
1: I saw you guys doing that Zoom chat the other day. That was really yeah. good. Yeah, it was really fun. Good.
0: It was fun.
1: And the, and the team was relatively small from memory, wasn't it? I don't know. I
0: think, yeah, it? I think it was like 20, 20 guys, 20 girls, wasn't it? Like 40?
1: Yeah, you should remember everyone.
0: Yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I, honestly,
1: I, I remember you. I
0: don't remember. You remember me. Thanks. Feels <laughs> feel so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I
1: remember, I remember Ashley Callis. I really remember him because on his first team, he took a strawberry jam, and I was, as I was reaching for it on the breakfast buffet, and there was one left, and it was his first team, and I was really old. And I remember I'm reaching for the strawberry jam, and he just comes in and grabs it. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, "You're a rookie," and I hear him a really old lady. How dare you steal that strawberry jam from me? And I don't think I ever forgave him. forgave him. For
0: Good, me. yeah. He would bully me too, so I'm glad you never forgave him, Ash. This is you. You're a bully. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's good. You remember those things. Nice.
1: <laughs> we did have a pretty good, Um, I feel like we had a pretty good team spirit in that team though. No?
0: Yeah, we did. I think it was, it was good. You know, uh, I think Don, I remember Don taking all the newspapers away from us. You remember that? Like we couldn't read the newspaper.
1: Oh really? No, I don't remember reading them though. Maybe that's why. You know what else I remember from that team is um, now that I've got kids, like I've got a 16 year old girl and a 14 year old boy. That Lee wasn't Liesl Jones like 14? Yeah,
0: recently? I think so. Yeah, she was young.
1: She was young, hey. Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine my son or my daughter being in that um atmosphere and handling it as well as she did.
0: Yeah, she yeah, real young. She did incredible. You you didn't uh push your kids into swimming?
1: Oh, I tried a little. <laughs> I actually think it's I, I think it's a really good sport and I loved it and I still love it and they are naturally good swimmers. Like they float really well, you know, in the water and got really good catch and look beautiful, especially my daughter looks beautiful swimming. So I tried and they play water polo, so they're meant to be swimming training.
0: Mm.
1: But they absolutely hate it. And they Oh they me, do. They give me crap about it all the time. And say, so How could you like swimming? It is like the worst sport ever. It's so boring and but I don't know. Yeah, I think I don't feel like it's as fun as it used to be. I don't know. For, maybe there's more options for kids now, but that they don't. No, they don't like it.
0: What is it like in in Australia these days? I've I've been removed for you know almost fifteen years or so, and then. But what is it like now? Is the Australian team still held up in high esteem like it used to be?
1: Oh, it's uh, it's nothing like it was back in the back oh, in like, two thousand. I couldn't even tell you. Oh, well, I could tell you some people on the team, but no, it's really different. It's um well, they don't probably win as much, mind you. There's probably a lot more competition as well, to be honest, isn't it? Like a lot more countries are winning events and different things. But that's why I look back at Sydney and think how lucky we were. Now it's um, I don't know, you don't, yeah, it's not like how, not like what it was. There's certain there's certain swimmers that are really high profile, like the Campbell sisters. Mm. Um but um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not like it was.
0: Why did you, why did you win so much? Like I, I saw you won like, some, like 35 Australian titles, which is selfish. Why did you win so much though? Like why it was, was it your talent? Was it your hard work or did you just hate losing? Or was it a combination of all those three things?
1: Yeah. Well, firstly, I did a lot of events, which helps, you know, yeah. I was freestyle and butterfly 100 and hundred and two hundreds and stuff. Um, I absolutely hated losing i hate losing yeah i hate it's funny when you brought up Misty before yeah i do, I get that really uh, i could I tell hating.
0: i could see that little competitive like that pissed you off
1: yeah it really I really i had to like check myself to, <laughs> come on it's just twenty years ago <laughs> nothing you can do about it and she's a nice girl and so it's just a swimming race but you know i hate i absolutely hate losing um I felt like i could i actually I felt like I wasn't that special physically. Obviously I was quite thin, but I'm not really tall, super tall. And by the end of the the, end of when I was on the team, I think I was the shortest girl on the team, but I really felt like I could train the harder than anyone else. I, I felt like I could really give it to myself. I don't know if that's healthy in real life moving forward. I felt like I can really berate myself in my head if I really have to. And that really spurred me on to train really, really hard throughout my whole career. And I think is what helped me get the results that I got. What was your I, image
0: of yourself at the time? Like when you were, you know, when you're at the top, what, what was your what was your true image of yourself?
1: Myself, I felt great. I felt um, like super woman. Woman, and when I was at yeah. my peak yeah. swimming, yeah. it gave me a lot of confidence. I was, uh, I mean, I'm still shy, but I was um, very shy and um, probably insecure and unconfident. And um, but swimming me was like you know putting a cape on i just felt like i was gave me so much confidence
0: how do you mentor young women these days like how do you how do how do we get someone to believe in themselves like susie O'Neill believed in herself like she felt like superwoman how do you do that
1: that's a hard one um uh, i think it's a lot of persistence but a lot of so. Su- I mean, I could really break myself, but I, I'm, I think I'm also good at positive self-talk as, as well. Yeah. I don't know. Just say yes and then just work out how, do you, how to do it. Um, like I never thought I'd be on the radio and I feel like that's just... I'm trying to think, you know, of how I've taken it into my life after swimming. It's about never giving up. I feel like the most successful people are the people who give up last, you know? When, you're, when you're, people are saying, you are crap, you are so shit at this... <laughs> whatever or when you start out swimming and you're not winning anything if you just keep going and keep going and keep going well, I feel like everyone just falls by the wayside eventually but um, it took me ages to believe in myself though I mean it's easy to say to someone just be- just believe in yourself but swimming's different isn't it because you can see the sets you're doing or like you said Misty Hymer can see the sets I could see the sets I was doing in training so I knew that that was going to equal that time so it's really easy to get a black and white picture of why you're going to be successful when it's um, things you can't measure as much. It's harder to believe in yourself, but I think just, anyone can be successful if you don't have to be a really special person. You just got to h- work hard and be persistent and never give up. I think that's the key.
0: I love it. I love it. Well um, I think that's a good way to end it because uh, really powerful message. So I appreciate that. Um, listen, I, I appreciate you answering my, um, message on instagram and then and coming on this has been awesome
1: no worries yeah good chat i was off instagram for a while i find it a bit overwhelming so i don't know if you sent me before that i go yeah, I, mean,
0: I mean i sent 30 you ignored 29 <laughs> of them but
1: i <laughs> oh, see you were persistent i know there was three in a row and i'm like oh he's not going to give up is he he's gonna want this podcast <laughs> no it's been good it's always been- good. <laughs> It's always good to talk about yourself. I worry about going, I don't like going back into my old life a lot, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But yeah. A bit like that, like, I don't yeah.
0: Know. And honestly, look, I, I was doing research on him. I'm like, God, like I, she must get sick of talking about herself because she's so successful and everybody loves her. And, and you know, you had this incredible career and you, you, you must get sick of talking about yourself, right?
1: <laughs> that sounds funny. No. Well, yes and no. <laughs> I feel like it's in the past. But yeah, it's always nice. It's nice to really fun moments.
0: Well, what do you got in the future then? What's coming up in the future that you're excited about?
1: Um, it's weird. It's mainly, a bit, I mean, my future is happening so quickly. Life's so fast, isn't it? I think your kids are even older than mine.
0: Yeah, like- my uh, my daughter is almost twenty-two. My son's seventeen, and I got twins that are uh, twin girls that are twelve.
1: Wow. Okay. Your daughter's curious. Is that your wife, yep.
0: Kira? Kira, yeah, Kira's my daughter. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. Remember that. But um so for us, it's like we're in the home stretch. It feels like it's we've got to get we've got three years and all our kids will we our kids be finished school. So if, that's kind of what we're all focusing on at at the moment. Yeah, it's not really my own goals, but um super mum. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know super mum, but um yeah, I don't know. It's life goes fast, doesn't it? It feels like it's hard to fit everything in before you we die, you know, you don't know when that's going to happen. So it's kind of like racing around, trying to fit as much in as you can.
0: You've done pretty well. You've squeezed it in. I'm sitting here looking at your Wikipedia page. You've squeezed a ton in in the the 47 years. You've done well. Thank you. Well, listen, let's not wait another 20 years to catch up, all right? I appreciate it.
1: Good luck with with, uh, your secret swimmer. Are we on air? But not say who it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm on air. We are on there, so Don't say who it is. I like that
1: person. Okay. Pre- appreciate
0: it. All right. Take
1: care. See you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>